Thank you. Thank you. I am so honored. In fact, it's my honor to find AAPS, and I've told uh, Dr. Orient and really everyone in your circles that AAPS far and away is the best medical organization I've ever been involved with. And I tell you, I have a lot of credentials behind my name, and I'm probably going to sequentially drop them or have them drop from me, and I'm going to shed a little academic uh, uh, baggage uh, as, uh, as I move forward. Uh, but as introduced, I'm an internist and cardiologist, but I see patients every week. Uh, I have been dedicated to focusing on the interface between heart and kidney disease. That's what I was involved with. I'm a trained epidemiologist. I, you know, I went to University of Michigan and got my degree in epidemiology later uh, in life and, and was really blessed to train at some of the best places in the United States as a trainee in two separate institutions. The Nobel Prize was awarded uh, when I was there as a young person to see that happen. Um, but I stepped forward in COVID-19 because as uh, introduced and as so many have recognized, something was going very wrong very early in 2019. I wasn't going to stand for it. So let's jump into this. I've got um, about 70 slides, but a lot of pictures just as talking points, and my slides are your slides. So you want them, uh, email Jeremy. I worked on them up until today. Have them. Use them. And let's win the war against therapeutic nihilism. And let's talk about this rush uh, to replace trusted treatments with untrusted novel therapies. I have chaired data safety monitoring boards now for over two dozen different therapeutic products. I've been involved, I think, in about 18 products coming to market. I know data and I know safety. And the FDA knows I know safety. In fact, I've chaired data safety monitoring boards for the National Institutes of Health and Big Pharma. And I have made some critical calls as a chairman of Day Safety Monitoring Board to shut down a program when it wasn't safe. And I can tell you that threshold is a few cases where we can't explain it. A few cases, okay? We get to five unexplained cases, we start to get very, very uncomfortable Day Safety Monitoring Board. We get to 50 unexplained deaths in a, a release of a product, it's gone. It's gone, we shut it down and we figure out what went wrong for new biologic pr products demand safety, safety, safety. It's unassailable. It's unassailable. If you get up in front of a group of your peers and say, I am concerned about safety, it's an unassailable position. It's a moral and ethical position of a higher level than those who are going to plod forward. It was taken in the 1976 uh, swine flu pandemic. 25 deaths, 550 cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome, the comfort level was gone. We had vaccinated 25% of our 220 million people in the United States, and that was it. The concern for safety was too great. The deaths escalated after stopping the program up to 53. This was the standard and still should be the standard today. Still should be the standard today. I'm going to tell you we are far beyond that. I'll follow this outline and make a few comments with respect to each one of these. New biological products, operation warp speed. COVID-19 was used as an opportunity to showcase the world's brilliance with respect to biotechnology. And there was great enthusiasm early in 2020 that this was it. This was going to be the showcase of what we could do for biotech. But I personally became concerned easily by the summer. And I had a window to America through the Hill, one of the uh, Republican journals, and um, I had uh, uh, had a large footprint in academic medicine 
in terms of opinion. I had published in New England Journal of Medicine, had over 650 papers in the peer-reviewed literature, but I didn't have any window of talking to America. I had testified before Congress back in 2007, but fortunately, through a series of connections, I got a, a position with the Hill, and I was a regular contributor last year, all the way until the release of the vaccines. But through this um, opportunity, I correctly predicted all the twists and turns of the pandemic because as an epidemiologist, I was trying to study through the hubris of the reporting in the media of what was going on and how this virus was moving. Uh, and it was uh, occurring in, in, in clusters. We had a big problem with respect to test positive and deaths and not reporting the hospitalizations. But we had a great gamble with the vaccine development because of the idea that so many shortcuts were being taken and there was a levering of uh, of, of all of our bets on technology that was brand new technology, and Dr. Malone told you about this, but in short, the adenoviral vector DNA vaccines, Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca, use a replication incompetent virion to inject uh, DNA into the cells, and that DNA transcribes messenger RNA, or the Pfizer-Moderna is messenger RNA into the cell, again, uh, directly involved in protein synthesis. So it, in, it basically interacts with uh, ribosomes, and then we have transfer RNA that assembles amino acids into proteins. But what's the protein that's being assembled? In red here, the protein is the spike protein. 1,200 amino acids loaded as, as is correctly pointed out by so many presenters, it is a deadly protein. By itself, it is a deadly protein. It's a deadly protein. It's the first time in human medicine where we are injecting vaccines and we're asking the human body to make a potentially lethal protein. The hope is we'd make a small enough amount of it and it would create just enough of a, an immune test that we'd form immunity to this deadly protein. The gamble was, what if we make too much? What if we make it for too long a period of time? What if these lipid nanoparticles go to the wrong organs and don't stay in the arm and we start to produce this uh, lethal protein, this damaging protein that's expressed on cell surfaces. It's not supposed to be there. The body immediately recognizes it, attacks it as being foreign. It breaks free in the circulation, circulates for two weeks, as shown by Ogata and colleagues from Harvard, and then damages blood vessels, probably the pericytes, maybe the endothelial cells, clearly is related to thrombosis. It's related to what's called hemagglutination because it attaches to salic acid residues on red blood cells and creates an unusual form of clotting, particularly in the lungs, causing desaturation like we've never seen in any other viral infection. This is what we're doing to the human body with these vaccines. It is unprecedented that this is being done it's also unprecedented that millions of Americans, more than half of us, have volunteered to take the injection without asking too much about how it works. People in my family did. They did it patriotically. They were asked unquestionably to take the vaccine, and it didn't matter which one. It didn't matter which one. And so here we are today with over half of Americans, a smaller fraction of the world's populations, have taken one of these vaccines. There's other ones. There's the Sinovac vaccine, which is a, uh, a killed virus vaccine, far less effective, also has problems. There's 27 of these in development. But this idea was that the vaccine was the only way that we were going to get out of this pandemic. It alarmed all of us. By May, 
this paper, 57 authors, 17 countries, Bruno and colleagues, I'm in the author block, basically said, listen, if we don't have safety mechanisms in place for the vaccine programs, shut them down. Shut them down because it's safety, safety, safety. Our concerns was this was a dangerous mechanism of action. We had skipped all the critical testing to understand what this is going to do long term to the human body. We had a concerning biodistribution study from Japan showing hyperconcentration of the lipid nanoparticles in the ovaries. Moderna separately had shown a reduced fertility study to the EMA that was concerning, not to the threshold to kill the program. There's been no external uh, advisory uh, committees, no human ethics committees, day safety monitoring board. The FDA and the CDC are the sponsors of the program. They cannot be the adjudicators of death. They cannot. That violates every regulatory law that we know. And the CDC and FDA and the NIH work for us. They are public servants to us. They do not issue rulings to us. They don't have authorities to issue rulings to us. They should serve us. The doctor and the patient sit in the fiduciary relationship above those three entities. And we have the authority to make that claim. Very important. Authority is a very important word. They excluded, um, uh, they should have excluded patients who were excluded from the clinical trials. Exclusions were agreed upon by the FDA and all the IRBs because they knew the vaccines weren't going to work or would cause excessive harm in pregnant women, women at childbearing potential, COVID recovered, those with suspected COVID and positive serologies. Under no circumstances should a, a human being have ever taken one of these vaccines because they weren't allowed in clinical trials. Full stop. Full stop. Very, very important. There was no effort to restrict these people from the vaccine program. In fact, they were encouraged to take the vaccines with no safety data and, very importantly, no efforts to risk mitigate we can't reduce the risk until our agency tell us who's being harmed from the vaccines.